Well, again, I just want to welcome everybody watching uh, online in our digital experience today here at Rise Church. I'm excited that even though we are uh, not in a building, we could still have church. We could still have spiritual family. So for those of you all watching in your, uh, you know, your living room or maybe you're doing a small group right now, maybe you're watching with your family, we're so excited that you're here with us. Hey, I want to, will you do me a favor? I would love for you to go ahead and just share uh, this particular feed. So if you're watching on Facebook, there's a share button. Will you share that? Uh, many of you are starting watch parties. That's a great way to experience today. And just let's just do everything we can as a church to share it as much as you can today, this message. And uh, we're excited that we can get together and connect today. We are wrapping up our series today, uh, Who Am I? Part 6. We're in my living room. We're having a digital experience. We have some leaders in our church in here, so I'm going to preach to them as much as I'm going to preach to you. And uh, we're excited because we're going to talk about who am I uh, with my family? Who am I with my family? So if you have your Bibles, uh, open up to Genesis chapter number 1. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1 where really the family started today. And uh, I'm excited because we get to wrap up our series. The reason we been talking about who am I if you're just joining in maybe you're getting this on your feed and you don't know what we're doing we've been in a series called who am I talking about God's identity for us who we are in Christ who did God create us to be and we're discovering that and we've been walking out this over the next over the last six weeks and uh, I'm excited if you're at all interested in checking out this message you can check it out at risechurchtx.com or you can find our Facebook feed at risechurchtx that's kind of our our tagline and you can go back and watch all of the messages and uh, we've heard nothing but great things and we're excited to wrap it up today with who am I with my family Genesis chapter one if you don't have your you don't know where Genesis is it's um, that might be a problem because it's at the beginning of the book. And so it's real easy to find Genesis chapter number one. Just flip it to the front of the Bible if you never opened it and you'll find it. Genesis chapter one, verse 27. And that uh, kind of gives us the account of how God created all things. We're going to read it together. If you have, go ahead and open up your Bibles or just uh, pull it out on your version Bible app. And it says in verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And then verse 28, he says, then he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Now, if, if you can, flip one more chapter ahead to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to read in verse 20, just kind of as God starts to outline and, and, and strategically set up this thing called family. He said he gave the names to the livestock. In verse 20, he says, He gave the names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. And this is interesting. He said, But there was still no helper just right for him. In verse 21, it says, So the Lord God caused man to fall into deep sleep, and while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. And the man said what we all say when we get the lady in our life, the one we're supposed to. He says, At last, at last, the man exclaimed, This is the one of my, is this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she has taken she was taken from the man in verse 24 it says this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united everybody say united, united. they're united as one and now that we're going to wrap it up in verse 25 it says now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame somebody say amen i mean <laughs> married people out there 
And so uh, today we are wrapping up our series, uh, wrapping it up with topic, if you're writing or taking notes, which I hope you do, uh, is who am I with my family? Will you pray with me? Father, we just love you, Lord. We know that today, even in this unique experience, God, even in the moments where we don't fully understand what's going on, you understand what's going on. And we are not afraid. We are not scared. We're not fearful. We're not panicked. God, you have a word for us today. And so we're just excited to bring that word to the masses to the digital audience that we call our church today. And we just pray right now you're going to speak to us. I prepared notes, but truthfully, God, you have notes prepared for us inside of our hearts. And so, Holy Spirit, be with us today in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Um, God designed and created the family. But isn't it interesting how sometimes family seems to be the hardest thing that we can really put together. I mean, isn't it the hardest thing that we're going to have to do in life? It seems easy to be at work. It seems pretty easy to manage me personally. Sometimes it's easy to manage, you know, inside of our workplace or maybe having a hobby. But man, when you come home and you have a family, when you're in your marriage, come on, how many all know that could be that could be tough. When you have kids, that can be a tough thing. And what I've realized in in just having a family, I, I have a wife, I have five young kids, I went into it thinking, I'm just going to feel my way around. I'm just going to to wing it. Has anybody ever tried? Have you ever felt like when you're in the moment, you're just winging it, right? You're just trying to figure out this thing called family. When I had my, uh, about a little over a year ago, I had my my gallbladder taken out and I had some gallbladder surgery, I had some stomach issues. And, and I remember talking to, <clears throat> going in for the final meeting with my my surgeon and I sat down with him and he said everything looks good and and uh, and he said well he said well here's how it's going to go he kind of walked me through the process a little bit and he said well, we're going to take you in there and you know they're going to give you the the anesthesia and you're going to you know you're going to go out and you won't be awake for it all and I'm like great give me double whatever you're giving me I don't want to wake up I don't want to have a chance just in case you know y'all hear those horror stories about you know uh, somebody woke up in the middle of the surgery you know and I'm like don't wake me up I don't want to be awake and so he says so it's going to be good and he looked at me and he could tell I was a little nervous. You know, I, I'd never had surgery in my life, and I don't know if you've ever had surgery, and I remember being a little nervous, and here's what happened. He looked in my eyes, and he said, listen, Aaron, um, you know, this is major surgery, and I want you to know this is, this is you know, my first time doing this, and I'm going to just feel my way around. Don't worry, uh, but I'll work it out. I'll get in there, and I'll, I'll I mean, it's, it's all pretty much the same thing, you know, and, and, uh, and, uh, I, you know, as you could tell, I was starting to freak out a little bit. My, my, my color left my face. I was a little nervous and he said, no, no. And I'm just, he goes, Aaron, I'm joking with you. He goes, this is, this is me. He said this interesting thing. He said, this is major surgery. We can't just wing it. We're not just going to feel this thing out. You need to know. And this is what he did. He said, you need to know that I've gone to school for this. I've trained for this. I have actually been a part of, you know, you know, internships and residencies. I was watching some of the best of the world. I want you to know that as much as I can be prepared, I am prepared and I kind of know what I'm doing. I'm not going to go. This is why I love what he said. He says, I'm not going to go in there and just experiment. I'm going to go in there and be intentional. Everybody say intentional. And what I find interesting about our families is that we got to be the same way. With families, we must be intentional and not experimental. 
Like you, you got to go into your family being like, I got some things that I need to do on purpose so that I can get some purpose out of my family. And here's why I think that's important is because even when God created the family, he was intentional. He had a strategy. He had a, a way. And, and I want to just read a couple of these things for you so that you know, because some of us might not know that. Maybe you're not familiar with the Bible or how the account of man. When he created, so the Bible says in the beginning he created man and woman, right? So he created man. But then what happened, we just read it in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. He says, but there still was no helper just right for him. Guys, if you're if you're single out there, maybe you're single in here when you before or maybe you're married before you met your your wife, the one you married, that was you and me. There was it just everything just didn't feel right. And then so God does this amazing thing. He knows what we need and he creates Woman, I like what he says in Genesis chapter 2, 22. He says, the Lord God made woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. Like God just did the, gave us the best gift ever, gave us woman. And here's why he did that. Why did he make man and woman? We're talking about being intentional here. We're talking about how your identity is shaped by your family. It's found in verse 28 in chapter 1. He says, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, which and fill the earth in government. So if you wanted to translate God's purpose for family, because God had a purpose for man and for woman, it was to create family to govern and rule the world. That's God's plan. It was his intention for us to be married, have children, build legacy, and 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 rule the world. And, and what's interesting is, have you noticed that if there's anything that's being attacked more in our world, I would have to say it would be family. Because it just models what happened in Scripture. I don't know if you know this, if you're out there and you want to do just maybe some more study of, of kind of the account of humans and families and how they were created. In Genesis chapter 2, God creates family, and then the very first thing after God creates family. Genesis chapter 3 starts with the enemy, Satan, attacking it. So it's not uncommon. It's not out of the ordinary for us to realize that the hardest thing you're ever going to do is family. And the reason is, is because the enemy is always attacking it. He's always attacking your marriage. He's always attacking your kids. He's always attacking you as a husband, as a father, as a mom, as a wife. He's always attacking you. He's always whispering. He's always saying things. Why? Because God loves your family and Satan hates it as clear as I can make it. And so it's hard on purpose. It's not hard because it's just hard. It's hard because you're in a battle, and there's two main battlefronts of your family. The first, we talked about it a little bit, is marriage. And, and, and it's being attacked, like, nonstop today. And primarily in two major ways. On the outside, there's an outside attack on your family, which is really culture's attempt to redefine what marriage and family is. Come on. And on the inside, it's Satan's whispers and schemes to divide internally. Have you ever noticed that when you argue with your wife or your husband, it seems like it doesn't you you hear you start to hear things and notice things that you never cared about. You never wondered about. You never worried about. They were not that big of a deal. But while you're fighting, all of a sudden, the little things that he does when he clips his toenails, when she whispers at night, when she snores, come on, all those things start to get magnified. Why do you think that is? Do you think that's just 
oh, well, that just happens. No, no, it doesn't just happen. That you have an enemy named Satan who, just like in the beginning of the Bible, is attacking the family, is it now attacking your, your family, especially marriage. And if you don't think marriage is under attack, you're mistaken. In fact, one of the main reasons he does that is because marriage models so much of God's character, especially when you look at a biblical love between a man and a wife, it's modeled after, after Christ's love for his bride, which is the church. So God hates marriage. So, so God loves marriage, but Satan hates it. Revelation chapter 19, I says it, it's I love this kind of way that even the Bible describes the church and Christ's love for it. It says, For the wedding of the Lamb has come. This is at the end of a life. This is at the end of eternity. And he says, And his bride has made herself ready. That our job as a church is to make ourselves ready for the coming of Christ, for the groom to come back to take his bride. It's always what I always laugh when people say it's like the church is extremely important to God, just so you know. You can't be like, you ever heard that person, well, I love, the, I love God, but I don't like the church? It doesn't work like that. It's like saying you love me, but you hate my wife. It doesn't work like that, right? You can't, if somebody walked up to your husband, you and said, your husband's an idiot, but I think you're amazing. I think we should hang out. You, you don't feel good about that. It doesn't make you feel right. And so marriage is a huge, huge factor in, in our identity. Because if you don't think that's true, find someone who's struggling with marriage or struggled with marriage and see if it didn't mess with them. It's an incredible pull on our identity. The second one is parenthood, being a parent. And parenthood is being attacked from the outside on the inside. On the outside, you would see culture's attempt. Go watch the next TV show that came out and see how it minimizes the role of a dad. See how it minimizes the role of a mother. See how it, it, it almost it almost goes out of the way to say you don't need your parents. You don't need. Don't tell me culture's not attacking from the outside. And then even on the inside, again, going back to dividing eternally, internally. Have you noticed that when your kids are going crazy and when something's happened with your kids and you just, there's something that almost makes you pull away from them a little. You just there's something whispering to you. You see that you did. They're just not going to listen. They're just not. You need to give up. You need to not have grace. You need to. I'm telling you, there's the enemy working on you as a parent. And he's attacking you. And the reason, again, the reason he's attacking is because parenthood is also a great biblical model of God's character. Because what it does is it shows us the relationship between the parent and the child, gives us a glimpse of what it's like from God the Father and his children. We're his children. It's a reflection of God's character. This is, I'm trying to paint a picture to you. That family is so important to God, and it's important to our identity. And if you don't think identity is not affected by your parenting, find someone who didn't have a parent growing up. It's huge. It's huge. So today, I wanted to talk about and give two main elements and two, many, two main ways our identity is influenced by our families. And hopefully today, we can learn what God wants us for our families and really by that, really know who we really are in Christ. First one is this, our spouse, number one, if you're taking notes, our spouse shapes, not defines our identity. Our identities have been shaped by our spouses. It does not define it. You, you are not your husband. You are not your wife. You're not supposed to be your husband. You're not supposed to be your wife. It's not, it's not like when you got to get married, now all of a sudden your identity leaves and, and it shifts and you're, you're no longer who you are. It's, 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 it's a way of shaping. Marriage is a great shaping tool. Come on, married couples. Y'all know. Come on, those of you married online. Come on, y'all know. Like There's something that happens in marriage that shapes and makes us into either the greatest version of who we are or the worst version of who we are. You pick. 
And 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 I think what's amazing about the 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 union of marriage, the covenant of marriage, is that it if you let it, it could really shape you into something great. If if you if, for those of you who are married, isn't it true that that marriage is the one of the greatest lessons to learn on patience? When 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 she's when she's snoring. And, and you're trying to sleep because you got to get up early. And, and you're, you're, you're trying to figure out, how, do I wake her up? Or do I just put the earplugs in and wrap the pillow around my head, right? Uh, uh, or, or, or kindness. Come on, guys. You know, oftentimes we're, we, we struggle with, if you're honest, we struggle with, with being kind. We don't really struggle with being right. We, we're good at being right, but our wives give us a way and shape us into being kind. Can we be kind in that moment when we know what's right? No one's arguing your rightness, but marriage has a way of helping you be kind. How about humble? You know, just in your in your marriage. Have you ever had that moment in the moment when you're fighting with your marriage and you 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 know that you should just say, I'm sorry. I was talking with my pastor one time. We had a, my wife and I had a fight. We couldn't get to it. I called my pastor. That's just what I do. And I said, you got to help me. You got to help me with this woman. She's, she's clearly wrong. I'm right. And you, if you would just tell her that I'm right, everything's going to be okay. You ever have that moment? Like, you know, like if I could just call someone right now and get perspective for my wife, my husband, right? You're just like, well, I just need them to know. I just need them to know. And uh, I remember he said, Aaron, Aaron, here, okay, you ready? I'll give you advice. You ready? Here's your advice. Here's your biblical advice. This is from your pastor. I said, okay. He said, he said, just say, I, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I go, but you didn't hear what I said. I, I'm actually right in the situation, pastor. He said, but, but, but you want to be right or you want to be righteous? Can you just be humble right now? Who cares? Who cares? Why? What was he teaching me? He was saying, I just trying to shape you, Aaron. Marriage is a shaping thing. And the way God does it, the reason God does it is because he wants us to be one. Godly marriage in and of itself is should bring us unity. Our spouse, I've heard this before, like your spouse should complete you. That's not biblical. Actually, your spouse does your spouse doesn't complete you. They make us one. There's a difference. It's not 50 percent of me coming into 50% of, you know, my marriage, and she's bringing 50% of her to the marriage, and then we have 100%. No, no, no. It's her 100% coming with my 100%, and then we, as God, God does something unique with that math. The Bible says he does it. It's like a weird math problem. He does something unique, and then he puts us together, and then he makes us one. Everybody say one. It's the point of it is is unity. In Genesis, he actually says it. You might have missed it. We'll go back. Verse 24 in chapter 2, he says, This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. The two are united as one. The word united there is what it's all about. Why is united what it's all about? We're talking about identity and your marriage because if you want to be, you want to have identity and you want to have what who God created you to be, you need to know how to handle your marriage. The point of marriage is unity. Why? Because unity brings longevity. Scripture says in Mark chapter 3, it says, if a house is divided against itself, it cannot stand. I like what the New Living Translation says. It says this. It says, similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. That you and I will not make it to the end of our race if we are constantly fighting 
and separated. Division. When you have two different visions, you don't have unity of vision. When you have the same vision, when you fight for unity, you're going to make it to the end. So sometimes you're just going to have to be wrong so that you'll be unified. I know that sounds crazy. But guys, husbands, sometimes it's not your rightness that's going to create the great marriage you're looking for. You're like, no, pastor, I've been been right a lot in my life and she don't seem to get it. How's that going for you? At some point, we if you're struggling with your marriage. This 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 value of unity is, is going to be huge. I'm just let's just have a fun moment right here. Everybody in here is married. Would you grab the hold of the hand of the person you're married to. Hopefully you're sitting next to that person. If you're out there in digital land, will you go ahead and grab the hand of your husband or your wife? And we're all going to say this together. We're all going to say this. And, and when you're in a fight, when you're in a struggle, when you're going through something tough, you need to put this on your heart. You need to put this on a notepad on your, you know, maybe a little post-it note on your marriage, on your window, or, you know, on your phone or whatever. You, you We're all going to say this together. Grab the hand of your spouse and say this when they say, United, United. we're undefeated. Baby, come here. I got my wife here. We're going to say it together. We're just going to hold hands. We do this. Sometimes we just we just want to be together. Say we united. United. We're undefeated. Look at your spouse right now online. Look at them. Just look at them and just say it with me. Say united. United. We're undefeated. All right. Thank you, baby. If you stay united, you're going to make it to the end of your race. And when you do that, I'm telling you. When you make it to the end of your race, it's the marriages that last that give us the ability for us to find our identity in Christ. Second one is this. Number two is how we parent shapes our kids' identity. How we parent shapes our kids' identity. Our identities have been shaped by how we were parented, whether we had a parent, whether you didn't have a parent. Have you ever talked to that person who didn't grow up with a mom or a dad, maybe in the traditional concept? or the? They've had to walk through some things that those who did didn't. And, 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 and in Genesis, God knew this and he gave us clear instruction, which by the way, if you don't, if you, maybe you struggle, if you're out there, maybe you struggle with uh, conceiving, maybe you've never had a kid. I just want to encourage you. You can be a mom and dad. You can spiritually, mother, I, actually, I'll go to say there's a huge need. There is a huge need for those of you who maybe are struggling to actually spiritually mother and father those in this world. There's a huge need for it. In fact, I had some guy sit in front of me. He asked me, he said, Pastor, what can I do for the church? I said, go be a dad to all the dudes who don't have dads in our church. You just do that, you'll fix every, I'm telling you, you'll fix most of it. If, you, if you're a mom, go, go mother somebody, go love on someone, go be a spiritual mom. You can do that. And so if you, in terms of parenting, God gives us a specific instructions on how to do it. I like what he says in Genesis chapter 1. He says, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. So the marriage came. Then he said, go be married and do what married folk do. <laughs> Amen. But then he said, be fruitful and multiply. Now, sometimes when we read that, we think it's the same thing. We think both fruitful and multiply, but go have kids. That's not true. Fruitful there in the Hebrew is para. It means to bring forth increase. Then multiply, the Hebrew word there is rabbah. It's kind of a little similar, but it's not the same. It says to bring up many. So if you were to translate what God was saying, he says to bring up many who bring forth increase in life. And here's what I found. You can't bring up quality kids who bring forth increase. How many of y'all know that just having a kid is not bringing forth increase? (laughs) 
Because sometimes you have the kid and you're like, I just want you to do something. Anything. Pick something. I don't care. Just be positive and productive. Come on, right? Like that's our hope. But they can't do that if you don't, if they don't know their identity in Christ. Here's your parent. If you're a parent in here or if you're looking to be a parent spiritually, your primary responsibility is to help them discover their identity in Christ. That's your primary responsibility. How do we do that as we wrap up today? How do we do that? Three main ways. How do we do that? First one is this. You need to remind them who they are. You need to remind them who they are. You need to have regular moments of positive affirmation in your kids. Do you do that? I mean, really. I know you're busy. I I know life is hard. I know they don't give you many opportunities to do that. But do do you remind them who they are. My son uh, the other day had a, had a moment in school and he was, uh, he was in a, an altercation with another kid and we walked him through what he did and how it went and he shared with us a little bit of what, what had happened. And I remember my wife, it was, she was so wise at this moment. She listened to what Kellen did and she said, Kellen, I know that that's what you did, but you're a man of God. I love that. He didn't do what was right, but she spoke and she she affirmed what, who he was. So she didn't she didn't she didn't like excuse the bad behavior and ignore it. She addressed it by saying, you're a man of God. This is what we do in those situations. How many times do we call out who they are and not just what they've done? When can you look at your son and instead of maybe he's throwing a fit on the ground, stop throwing a fit. You're telling him what you don't want him to do. But but instead of saying, hey, come on, man of God, stand up. We don't do that. This is what we do. We stand up when we're upset. This is how we respond. Come on. There's a difference. It sounds the same, but it's not. You're telling them, you're reminding them, you are this person in Christ. I love even how we say it. You might hear it around our church. You might hear me saying it sometimes. We call man of God, woman of God. Are they acting like a man of God in that? No, not really. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you who you are. And if you know who you are, you know what you're going to do. Second thing is this, is we remind them who they are not. So now there's a flip side of this coin, because sometimes you do need to remind them that's not what we do. That, that's not, let me just remind, it's not, uh, it's not contradictory to what I was saying in the front, it's just they're complementary. It's the same, co- it's a different side of the same coin. I was, the other day we were watching a movie, how many of y'all watched a movie or a TV show recently with your kids? Just you, around there, just y'all was watching. Have you ever noticed that like the longer we go in society, the more things slip into the ratings of the movies you think are appropriate? We're watching a movie, and it was appropriate for them, and they said uh, a, a bad word, and, and, and I remember, you know, it was funny, we, we've done this for so long now, and I really give credit to my wife for this, but as soon as the bad word was said, this, my boys said this, they, they, they all almost in unison said, we don't say that, that's not what we say in our family. And you ever had that like proud moment as a parent? You know, they don't come very much. You got to take them where you get them. And I'm like, man, like, oh, and I remember why is because when we hear something, they hear something, they see something, we addressed it and said, that's not who we do. That's not what we are. That's not what we say. That's not where we go. That's not who we are. We are. This is who we are. So it's almost like the other side of the coin telling them who they are. Sometimes you need to address who they're not. 
and say, we don't do that, man of God. That's not who we are. Sorry. We don't use that language. We speak. We speak life. And finally, we need to remind them of who they're going to be. I, I believe wholeheartedly, and I'm closing with this thought, I, I believe that there's, there's, there needs to be more parents speaking prophetically into their kids' lives. They, they are, I am a product of a praying mom, grandparent, family, who spoke prophetically into my life before I was what that, what, what I was going to be. I mean, you are a product of that. And I think that sometimes in our overcorrection of maybe super spiritual life in church, we've forgotten the, the value of the prophetic is a ministry. That's a gifting. And, and, and God works through that. And it doesn't have to be weird. You don't need to bring your kids in and put a, you know, a robe on them and have incense and it need to be a weird thing. But I'm telling you, there's a power in just saying, son, I believe in you. I know where you're going. I know who you're going to be. God's going to use you mightily. There's going to be amazing things in your life. You're going to yeah, you're going to make a mistake, but you're going to get back up. God, there's going to be and you just start speaking life over your kids. Do you do that on a regular basis? Daughter, you're going to make it. You are not uh, you are not nothing. You are valuable. You are going to do amazing. You're going to marry an amazing man and I'm going to love him and you're going to do incredible things in this world. God's going to use you and show you and make you shine God when are we going to speak more prophetically into our kids you got to speak to who they're going to be remind them who they are in Christ two main attacks on our family is our marriage and our our parenting and they incredibly affect who we are in God and my prayer for you watching online and for those in here and for myself is that we would take our marriage seriously, that we would take our parenting seriously. And in that process, we will become who God called us to be. They will become who God called them to be. And I think we'll make it to the end of our race. I, I want to remind you at the end of uh, towards the end of our year, we're going to do a series on family. It's one of the most uh watch series that we do it's one of the most attended series that we do why because family is being attacked and family is hard so be on the lookout we're going to have a series after the summer coming up and uh, we're going to deep dive some of these thoughts but my prayer for you uh where you're at in your home right now and uh in here or what experience you're at my prayer for you and your family is that you would build your family on this book the bible and that this would be the authority in your marriage. This would be the authority in your parenting. And I believe that if we do that, I believe we'll, we'll find our identity in Christ.